0: Rosterwatch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Rosterwatch crew is here to deliver the goods
1: you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, Rosterwatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, Rosterwatch Nation, welcome back to the epic Rosterwatch podcast brought to you by Rosterwatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, here as always with Byron Lambert, joined on this special pre-NFL draft edition of the podcast by our director of analytics at Rosterwatch.com, Mike Band. And we have a big, uh, big edition of the podcast, I guess podcast number 20 this week coming at you. We're already into the, I guess it's, you know, in, in. out of the teens,
1: into the 20s. Shall we sprinkle a little extra fairy dust on Rosterwatch Nation for this one?
0: (laughs) Sprinkle a little extra fairy dust on Rosterwatch Nation for this one and sprinkle a little bit of extra plug to please. Go to Rosterwatch.com, get a pro membership. All of the tools that we talk about uh, during this podcast you can find at Uh, Rosterwatch.com. Completely free we have up our top 20 Wide receiver rankings pre-NFL draft, our top 10 running back rankings composite uh, pre-NFL draft, along with all of our pro tools and, uh, and all kinds of content that you can find all there at rosterwatch.com. Also, if you like the podcast, give us five stars, give us a good review, make sure you are subscribed. We are going to go through a mock draft during this episode of the podcast. Before we get into it, Byron, any, any news and notes, anything that you think that we need to get to?
1: No, there can only be so much foreplay some point, you got to get down to business. <laughs> That's what we're going to be doing tomorrow night. What, 7 o'clock Central? Yeah, I think 7 Central. I think it's 7 Central. Yeah. Let's give the people what they want. Uh, Mike Band is here with us, so we're going to definitely be weaving in uh, our mock draft and our observations of round one as we uh, put the finishing touches on everything as a group here at rosterwatch.com. I'm certainly going to be very interested to see how our final cumulative running back and wide receiver rankings have shaken out. This will be my first time to look at those right here live on air.
0: Yeah, we'll just go to Watch and you can check them out live here
1: on air. Are we going to get to that? Yeah, or are we no, going to, real quick, are we- starting at the top. Uh, we talked about it on the last pod, um, the ridiculous Warren Sapp comments about Miles Garrett. We won't spend too much time on it, but I think the three of us agree that this is very much like 2014 with Jadavian Clowney and all the quarterbacks to follow. The Texans had to take Jadavian Clowney there. I think in retrospect, they're probably fairly satisfied that they did. I get the, that same notion about Cleveland Browns uh, that they just have to take Miles Garrett here. And uh, Dar- Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network has circled around and said that basically all of all the personnel – uh, people in the NFL that he's spoken with, none of them uh, um, give much gravity uh, to the notion that uh, Miles Garrett is a lazy football player.
0: I don't, well, I don't think we ever said he was a lazy. No, football. the
1: Warren Sapp was saying that. I think he was just saying that he didn't take over. Baldi. He said he was a lazy football player. <laughs> he said he saw a lazy football well, player. Well, Warren Sapp's a shitty human being. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this, but we do all agree that the Browns have to, they have to take Miles Garrett we at one, right? And
0: yes, and we all agree that Warren actually a shitty human being, right?
1: Mike, what do you think?
2: At one, it, I think the pick's locked in. I'm reading a report from BFG that the Browns have committed uh, to the pick at, the, at first overall. Uh, they've known it pretty much for a couple weeks, but you can't really say that because you got to gauge the interest for the pick. Um, I don't think Trubisky's going to be the play at one, but it, it, it's, from the standpoint of Garrett and just his tools, uh, once you, once he you gets that contract, once you incentivize the guy, and really, to, uh, they're no longer making that ten million dollar deal in that first contract. Um, so they still got to fight for that second contract, and that creates more hunger, especially at the top of the draft where that used to be guaranteed money. Uh, so, in this standpoint, you're looking at the best player available at a at a prime position, and that's why he's probably locked in and. and and uh,
0: and everyone can get one point on their huddle report, Mike. Yeah, and so um, let's just start out, Mike. Uh, our 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 mocks are due to the huddle report uh, a little bit later this evening, and I think what eleven fifty nine Eastern time. We got to get them in, so let's just let's just go through our mocks. Uh, uh, number one at Cleveland, I think we both have Miles Garrett marked in. Like we said, a free one point on the on the. Uh, a free one point on the old – on the old. Uh, what is, like, how many points do we get for these? It, like, what is – like, do you remember what the point structure is? Yeah, so I believe
2: it's two points for getting the team and player correct, and then one point for getting the player correct in the round. So you can get up to 32 points for all the players in the round, and then two points for each correct pick to team.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Mike knows those <laughs> points a lot better than I do because I've never come have, – have you ever won, Mike? You've come close to winning. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I I won in 2009. If you go on the Huddle Report, you'll see uh, my days with com, the old Ryan McChrystal site. Uh, back when I was starting out, I ended up taking the most accurate mock draft, 09, if you look it up. But, no, I'm not here to brag about it. we got to get tomorrow's right.
1: So many things already coming home to roost from Podcast 19. Uh, just today... Uh, Mike, we saw the um, basically the census, the poll taken uh, by Bob McGinn Uh, what is it out of the Milwaukee Sentinel Journal? Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Journal Sentinel I think, (laughs) that could be wrong too and of the 16 personnel evaluators that he spoke with uh, I believe Jamal Adams 11 of those rated him as the number one overall safety prospect um, in this class as we head towards discussion of the number two pick here I've just had so much trouble buying the idea of a safety at number two. I just, historically, there's not much context there. And, and certainly, I don't. as good as Jamal Adams is, I don't even believe this is an Eric Berry-type prospect, who I believe went five himself a handful of years ago. Uh, where are you at on, on the concept of, of a safety at two? Is that just folly to begin with, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. It, it
2: aligns with our research. The thing is, a safety hasn't gone to the top four picks believe it or not, since 1991, Eric Turner. Um, But at the same time, Eric Turner was a hell of a player for the Browns uh, when they took him second overall. Uh, This is a new world where we are living in a a, a big contract uh, world where the top picks are paid significantly higher than the rest. Um, And based off of the contract that you're investing in a guy or Stacey, you've got to have that immediate starter. You've got to have that elite player. Um, At the same time, because of the lowered contracts, you're allowed to take, uh, cap-wise, it's okay if you take a a slightly non-primary position, but only if you know that you're getting that elite blue chip player. Uh, And I think some teams believe it, that Jamal Adams, talent-wise, is that type of player. I can't see him getting out of the top five, Uh, and he's definitely in play for for San Francisco. Um, And you but, and you can also look at, at John Lynch simply as being a safety uh, and just having bias towards the position that way. But at the same time, they've got Eric Reed and they just drafted uh, just the Quisky card a few years ago. They've got some depth. They do need defensive back help. It might be the pick if they're going best they want to build a team that way. But otherwise, I mean, it, who knows really what they're thinking. They've got a few options to work with.
1: You know, I believe the 49ers also rostered Jimmy Ward a couple of years ago, a real big-time senior bowl standout that had corner and safety, versatility. That's a good point there Uh, with Eric Reed. So, you know, it's hard for us to buy the notion of a safety at two. Uh, We've hashed it out on the last podcast and between us personally. uh, Really, really hard for me to buy a defensive tackle at number two to San Francisco. And as we discussed in podcast 19 – that, that number two selection is really one of the most compelling dynamics of the whole draft. I'm fascinated to hear what you guys have arrived at in your mocks uh, for number two at San Francisco.
0: Do you want to go first, Mike, or do you want me to? Go ahead, House. All right, so, I, man, I just, I just figured that I should just put myself in John Lynch's shoes, and I did what we always say to do in fantasy football when it's a tie when there's doubt, when in doubt, get sick. I'm sending the big dog. I'm sending the beast. They hate Carlos Hyde. I'm sending Leonard Fournette.
2: I'm with you. I am with you. you. Uh, we, we talked about it a few days ago, and, and, uh, and Byron, you brought it up in the last pod. It was a great point that there's no way John Lynch, in the way that he was brought into San Francisco, is not keeping this pick and this decision close to the vest. And the consensus pick of Solomon Thomas across all media circles has really been locked in for over a month now. And it does make sense in, if, in terms of maybe if you want to build along the defensive line and it's just a smart strategy to do it. John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they got to think big picture. And in this case, they're going to they're gonna look at building an offense – with Brian Hoyer at quarterback and potentially Kirk Cousins a year from now, with potentially the most talented, uh, to steal someone else's words, unicorn of a running back uh, that's come out in a long time outside of Ezekiel Elliott. Really, they're different styles. But he's definitely a guy you can build an offense around, and he easily could be the highest graded player on their board. In that case, if you look at the at, – at, John Lynch just being a draft Nick like you like you mentioned, it does make sense. Leonard Fournette could be that highest rated graded player and really have been a big effect on them simply scoring points.
1: Boy, you gotta think that San Francisco is dying to try it out of that pick. It's just such an interesting year where that number two pick in the draft just really isn't worth as much as it usually would be. And finding a trade partner could be difficult as uh, Mike has been pointing out. Uh, trying to seduce somebody to come up there to, to number two to get a guy that you're not even necessarily willing to take. Certainly a strange dynamic. You have to wonder, you know, is there a time? Is there a year? I think you've got to be flexible. And, Mike, you might have some insight into this. You know, we've got the the, the trade values that we love to live and die by. But, I mean, GMs have to recognize that this is a depressed year for value at the top as far as a movement to the number two spot. At what point do you say, hey – Let's still trade out here and just get what we can um, and and, and be willing to take a little less than historically what the market dictates you get for number two. Or are are GMs just too scared to take anything less than what's historically been considered the proper bounty for that kind of pick?
2: That absolutely happens. And a great reference point is the Oakland and Miami trade. When Miami moved up from 13 to 3, Uh, And it was, according to the draft chart, they should have have given up a lot more, and they moved up for Deion Jordan at the time. Oakland traded back, took DJ Hayden, and they only gave up a second-round pick, while the draft chart said they should have given up a lot more. And what you're going to see is, based off of the position or based off the player that they're targeting, is going to dictate the market for the pick. And if you look and say that there's a first-round, that there's a a quarterback there at number two that you could trade up for, then that might— even be more than what the average market value or the jimmy johnson chart would dictate and if you're trading up for a non-quarterback it's going to be say 80 to 90 percent of what the market might dictate dictate so you might have to give up less or take less for you to move down in a draft uh, when the board looks the way it does at number two
1: boy i think they sure would like to find a way to talk chicago jacksonville new york cleveland somebody and letting them just move back a few spots for a, a little bit of additional compensation still get a guy they want and get out of this quarterback uh, purgatory at number 2 I I'm certainly on y'all's bandwagon though if they stay at number 2 I mean John Lynch would he, he was a draft nick first when a doubt gets sick it's got to be when Leonard the Fournette gets sick. But, I, think,
0: I I honestly think it still could be a quarterback I, I think there's, it's got to be Fournette or one of the two quarterbacks I think it's more likely than Solomon Thomas That seems to be the, that this seems to be the complete
1: Chalk. You so. cannot live with the expectation. Your whole franchise cannot. Hang. I know that Shanahan has gone years with poor quarterback play and, you know, been able to patchwork together and under certain scenarios, but you cannot make a living in the NFL banking on the fact that you're going to get Kirk Cousins to your franchise next year. You just can't. No. You can't get quarterbacks in free agency. You, these opportunities do not come by often. The only place you get him is, is at the top of the draft in the first round. If you're San Francisco and you can't get out of the pick, they're going to have to look long, long, and hard. And with all the talk about Mitch Trubisky and Lynch talking him up, you wonder, if is it, it a to secret to Sean Deshaun Watson? Watson? It could
0: be. It could be. All, all right, so let's get back to it. Move to number three, the Chicago Bears. Uh, my pick for them. I know the whole deal with the safeties, and I know that Mike Band is big about – the history uh, of the picks and everything like that. But I've just heard from too many people that Jamal Adams is way up the board. I've heard from too many people that he's the number one safety. I've heard from too many people that there are some teams that might even have him number one on their board. Safety is one of the biggest team needs for the Chicago Bears. We actually have strong safety, which Jamal Adams projects as. Uh, as need number four on our pro team needs tool. Uh, Mike, are, are are you still uh, on the no safeties to Chicago train or have you thought about possibly sending a, a, a Jamal Adams or similar player there? Yeah,
2: this comes down to what the big board looks like. And when you put Marshawn Lattimore next to Jamal Adams, uh, Lattimore's just got a little bit too many red flags, maybe with the injury risk and everything. I think with with Chicago, you look at their injury report last year, and it, it led the league in terms of guys who finished on the IR. So based off of that, you really can't take a gamble here. you got to draft a clean player. And they've got a need at safety. It's not like they don't. Uh, they, they picked up Quinton Demps in free agency from Houston. He's on a, a, a small two-year deal. And they've drafted some players. But if you're looking for a signal caller to make – Really, an impact from a leadership standpoint. Jamal Adams makes total sense. I think he is going to be the third pick for these guys, unless for whatever reason they they uh, they've got some love fest for Mitch Trubisky. He's got to somehow you know still possibly be in play despite their investment in Mike Lennon. But if you break it down, if you break down the big board and what it looks like, this looks to be a jam- where Jamal Adams comes off the board.
0: Well, so, and then uh, so our, our mocks are exactly the same so far <laughs> which is interesting um, let's just go ahead and move on then to pick number four and we're gonna be we're gonna be diverging a lot from the chalk here as well because most people will have Leonard fournette pegged to go here we have him pegged to go a little bit earlier how about Mike you go first right here and, and, and tell us where, where you are sending uh, where or who, who who you are sending to the Jacksonville Jaguars so this is where
2: I have Solomon Thomas coming off the board. Um, and, and really, if you look at the mock, if if, you do, if we do decide to, uh, to go with Fournette as our final at number two, it really doesn't change a whole lot because it really just swaps two and four. So it's not like it's a killer if you get it all wrong. But at the same time, Really, if, if you look at where Jacksonville sits, they'd love to have Fournette, but at the same time, they really need pass rush help. I don't think that they trust Dante Fowler yet, especially uh, being their, their, their go-to guy. They beefed up on the inside of their D-line. You know, they invested in Malik Jackson. They gave uh, Calias Campbell a uh, two-year deal with a, with a bunch of money, uh, but they really don't have a strong side defensive end. And that's something that every front needs. You can't just have one end and two interior guys. you got to have the complete package. And they're looking to build up that defense. Think about this way. And connecting Leonard Fournette to to the Jaguars uh, through Tom Coughlin and his affinity for Brandon Jacobs and Fred Taylor, let's also remember Tom Coughlin and the way he built his defenses along the defensive front. And the quote is, you can never have too many pass rushers. And I think that's going to be another key uh, emphasis uh, as they grow that defense. Solomon Thomas really can play that base end, kick inside uh, when you take Koliath Campbell off on on nickel situations. And and he can really make that Jacksonville defense a pretty good defense very soon.
1: All right, I got a few questions here, Mike, about this pick for the Jaguars. Uh, True about Tom Coughlin always loading up on pass rushers although I seem to remember it's usually been more middle to later first-round picks where he's scored value on those guys. It's a good point, though. However, I see – I mean, you mentioned the names, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, uh, Dante Fowler. I mean, there's a lot of big-time assets that have been very recently invested uh, on that defensive front, especially regarding the line and, and, and pass rushing for the Jaguars. It's what makes me tap the brakes – a little bit on uh Solomon Thomas here so I just see
0: it like Mike because I see behind a Dante Fowler all you have is a Yannick and and we and we love we and we love him, a friend of roster watch nation, but I mean if if it's true that you can
1: never have enough pass rushers, Dante but, Fowler, but Solomon Thomas defense. is not a pure pass rusher. Right, He's I, just not a pure edge. And I I and then and I get it. I get it that Calais Campbell is a much bigger player, but I think he's the kind of guy that's kind of a run stopper, kind of an edge guy. I mean, I'm I'm not at all saying they're the same, and I do believe Solomon Thomas, Dante Fowler would be a heck of a combo. I can really really imagine going that. Going into the future. So I like right. the pick. It's I'm just not sure As they've it, it's kind of the same questions about San Francisco taking Top ten guys three years in a row at the defensive line. It's, it's a little – teams tend to start to diversify where they put some of these resources. You can only have so much money into one area. And it makes me wonder. David Caldwell spoke very, very glowingly at the Combine about Christian McCaffrey. With Leonard Fournette off the board in our mocks, I wonder, is McCaffrey in play here for Jacksonville? Remember, Reggie Bush was the number two pick in the draft. I think Christian McCaffrey is the second coming of Reggie Bush. And then, and and I'm gonna let you answer that, Mike, and and you, Alex, as well. And then I'd also like to know: Are we all in agreement that it's absolutely bogus, bogus that the Jaguars would even consider taking a quarterback at number four?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that one first. And I, I just don't think so. You got to give Bortles at least a shot because, really, if you think about it, Coughlin hasn't been in the building with him, you know, for for any point of that. And you can't just throw a guy to the wayside. Invest this fourth pick in a quarterback, um, but that's that's not saying that they won't invest in one later in the draft and a guy they can sit, they can consider. Um, but really, I, I I am not buying into the quarterback at four rumors, Alex.
0: Yeah, I mean for me, I'm not. I don't think that. For one, I haven't heard that many of those rumors. I know that we've kind of talked about it before. I mean, Byron said, "Are you saying that you've sort of heard well, some?" I mean,
1: they've been yeah, it's been being floated heavily the last yeah. couple of okay. days. Okay,
0: well, I mean, that sounds like smoke to me. I don't think they're going to take a quarterback, like Mike said. I think that they'll take one a little bit. I think they'll take one a little bit later. I think the idea of Christian McCaffrey is intriguing, and if it were to happen tomorrow evening uh, or Thursday evening, whenever you listen to this podcast, I, you know, it it wouldn't. It would take me a little bit by surprise, I guess.
1: The other rumors that are going around about the Jaguars that I also think makes sense, given uh, the rest of this circumstantial evidence we're looking at here, is that the Jaguars would like to trade back. Now, if they're able to trade back, I'm not going to completely rule out a quarterback at that point. I think it's a little more in the picture, um, but that that one is interesting to watch.
0: Speaking of trading back, we now move to pick five from the Tennessee Titans. This to me has seemed like the most natural a trade-back spot simply due to uh, John Robinson basically saying that he would like to trade back.
1: And we've got a little bit of news from John Robinson, Adam Schefter reporting uh, that the Titans have already received multiple offers for the number five uh, pick of the first round. Things coming home to roost quickly here, Roster Watch Nation, we've told you.
0: See, I didn't even know that bit before I made this mock, and it just seemed natural to me through our pro tools that Mike has made at RosterWatch.com, this no, number two and number five are going to be natural breaking points in this draft. I have I have the Cleveland Browns moving up and trading with the uh, trading picks with the Tennessee Titans to get Mitchell Trubisky out of North Carolina to jump up ahead of the New York Jets, who it seems like would be the you know some bit of we don't think that the Jets are going to take a quarterback but you could certainly see them as a threat to take a quarterback we also know that McKagan wants to trade down if somebody were to trade up to pick six they would probably be trading up for a quarterback I think the Cleveland Browns just get it done right now they get Miles Garrett they get Mitch Trubisky they've done a good job accumulating a ton of picks they have the ammo to do it Uh, Mike how how do you see this one going
2: yeah so that trade scenario is very certainly possible um it Tennessee doesn't have a second-round pick, and, and granted they do pick again at 18. Um, I think that they're definitely getting calls for both picks, the five and 18. But at the same time, uh, let's think about you know what Tennessee could do with that with that fifth pick if they stay there. I've got them taking Marshawn Lattimore, um, and I've actually a, a little bit of a spoiler, but I've got Cleveland trading up to the Jets pick uh, the next go around. And really, based off of Tennessee's need for an outside corner, uh, they they just released Jason McCordy from his deal. They they brought in Logan Ryan, but they absolutely need help in the secondary. And here's why I am most comfortable with keeping this as is. Uh, when the Patriots were uh, really in the heydays, when John Robinson was there for uh, during his time, his t- his uh, their affinity and their relationship with. Urban Meyer and the University of Florida was big. It led to a lot of picks. It led to a lot of trust. And I think when Urban went to Ohio State, you're going to see a lot of those guys in that tree being able to trust uh, the, just the school, the coaching staff, and know what type of information they're getting. And in that case, I'm comfortable sending one of Urban Meyer's disciples to one of Belichick's disciples. And in this case, Marshall Latimer, five, fits, a, fits one of their two biggest needs to Tennessee.
1: Well, let me ask Mike. I, at, at number five, I think John Robinson, always a trade trade ready GM. One of the reasons we admire him. But on your big board tool, that was just incredible work. By the way, I know Roster Watch Nation has really, really enjoyed that. Um, it showed that the Titans had showed virtually equivalent interest in Jonathan Allen and Marshawn Lattimore. And then on the team needs tool, those two team needs were right at both right at the very top is and that's another reason I thought this was a natural breaking point in the draft, uh, because they're going to be faced with that decision between those two players. I think they're both going to be there. Is it strictly the medicals that, that, uh, leave Allen out of the picture in this pick if the Titans, stay put, that's
2: what I'm thinking. Um, that's exactly what I, I don't think Jonathan Allen far falls, falls nearly as far as some of the other guys getting, uh, getting knocks. But, um, And even Lattimore has has hamstring issues as well, so that's also a concern. But really from a standpoint of top two needs, I think solving that cornerback spot and receiver spot are just as important as finding an interior defensive tackle. You know, they've tried to invest in second-round picks along the defensive line, you know, the Daquan Jones types, uh, to put next to the Jarrell Casey type. Um, But really, Jonathan Allen would be a great fit. They need the cornerback, and really if they're both – up there with the same grades, I just think you go with, with uh, with the top corner.
0: Shout out to Daquan Jones, great friend of Roster Watch Nation. Um, all right, so let's move on. Pick number six. Mike already spoiled it for me. It's kind of spoiled too. It's going to be Marshawn Lattimore. I think that it's the obvious pick. The I mean, the Jets' back end is in dire, dire disarray. Um, I feel like if they sit there and they stick into that pick Marshawn Lattimore judging on the way that my draft has fallen so far with the Tennessee Titans moving back uh, I feel like Lattimore would be the obvious pick right there uh, is Mike our 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 mock drafts have now diverged uh where how do you see this pick going uh you see you, you said you saw a trade-up was it a trade-up from Cleveland to get a quarterback?
2: yep, so this is where I see Cleveland moving up to, and it's got to be based off of the Jets having just too many needs on their board where they where they feel they can get one of their targets at probably at twelve if they uh, you know if they're available. Uh, and so from the standpoint of of it aligning, I, we know that the Jets are interested in in, uh, in taking calls. Cleveland's decision's gonna be moving up to either five, six, or eight, really primarily, that's those are the trade up spots. Um, that we could foresee. So your trade is every is every bit as likely, and both are equally unlikely of happening. Um, and so in this case, uh, Cleveland moves up. They take Mitchell Trubisky. Um, I, I don't know if Cleveland will pull the trigger uh, to to make the trade up. That's something I, you know. Whether or not you want to invest in two top six contracts, I don't even know if you can handle that in the rookie pool. Um, you'd have to trade a lot more picks to be able to afford all those guys. So I think that's a consideration that not many people are mentioning. How high can you trade up for in terms of the contract and then being able to pay all your rookies based off of your allocated uh, rookie pool? And so from the standpoint of, of where they go up to, I think six is a perfect fit, and the Jets get to move down and acquire accumulate more picks.
0: Okay, so that moves us to pick number seven, the Los Angeles Chargers. For me, uh, when I look at our team needs tool at rosterwatch.com, by the way, you get a pro membership at rosterwatch.com for less than a cheap cup of coffee. If you like the podcast, give us five stars in iTunes. Give us a good review. You guys need to do a better job giving us good reviews. We give you maniacal effort. We expect the same effort in return. You're getting these podcasts for free. Please, if you want us to keep doing them, give us five stars. Give us a good review. We love you guys who have done it. You guys who haven't done it, you just you got to get better. You got to be better. Um, Okay, so with the with the Los Angeles Chargers, that throws me off every time. Uh, I'm sending Malik Hooker. I know that there are injury concerns. Mike, you're always much more worried about the injury concerns than I am. Is Malik Hooker a guy who you are super worried about because he seems to fill a real need there for, uh, for the Chargers there on the back end?
2: Yeah, he absolutely does. Uh, and if he's on the board, they will consider him. We also have Jonathan Allen still on the board as well. Um, and if you look at the way that Tom Telesco likes to build the defense, and 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 really, it, I think it's going to be along the along the front rather than the back end. Um, Jonathan Allen and, and and Malik Hooker both have really high grades in our interest tool. It seems like those two are one of those guys might be the pick at seven. I'm going to go with Jonathan Allen. I think you put him next to Bosa and legit on that defensive line, and it's pretty scary.
0: Okay, well then we're going to diverge again here and with these picks, because I think what you're going to do next at pick eight is different than me. I know it is, because you just sent Jonathan Allen there. I think, I think, if, I think if Jonathan Allen falls in Dave Gettleman's big boy pants right into his lap, he, like I know that Christian McCaffrey's a show-me-what-he-can-do guy, but turn on the tape of Jonathan Allen. That guy will show you what he can do. He can take over games. I mean, He's the closest to Sue it's just it's it the is, closest to sue yeah I just I, I don't think there's any way that Gettleman if he gets to eight will be able to pass on him I'm a lot like Mike Ban and believe me Jonathan Allen's not going to fall anywhere near as far as some people are saying uh clear clearly our picks are going to be different who is it that you're sending to the Carolina Panthers Mike
2: yeah so I'm going to go with the chalk and I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey um you know really Gettleman's not a smokescreen guy he's going to come out and say what he feels and I think that they're certainly looking for a weapon, an offensive weapon to use in multiple ways. Christian McCaffrey is there at eight. I think this is, you know, right around the un- the over under that you that you've got out there in Vegas. I think it's perfectly fine. You either bet on him going to Carolina or not, uh, and I think he does.
1: Well, Mike, let me ask you maybe as a spoiler here for this situation. What about the um, concept that's been floated in the last day or so that? the uh, Panthers could get usurped by the Chargers at 7 for McCaffrey as a replacement for Danny Woodhead.
2: Uh, That's the first I'm hearing of that, but that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, after After what L.A. did last year in the draft when they surprised everyone and took Bosa, it's
0: impossible to tell what Telesco's board really looks like. Well, I, I kind of like that idea. I do, I I do mean, too. Melvin it Gordon needs help. Yeah, but it, it, would, it would hurt Melvin Gordon's and, stock a and, little and bit. And
1: who was their head coach? A running back coach. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and to, one last thing to Mike's point uh, about the Panthers being in search of that offensive weapon. We can tell you from sitting in the stands at the Senior Bowl that all the scuttlebutt from within, yeah, very close to the Panthers organization was focused on a slot receiver. Yeah, On a slot receiver, a lot of people think McCaffrey's gonna pay some dividends in that role as well. We
0: move on to pick number nine with the Cincinnati Bengals, for me, uh, this was pretty easy when I looked at our team interest tool. And with the idea, you know, it was always going to be Reuben Foster here for me with all the latest issues with the injury stuff. It doesn't seem like it's quite as bad a deal as some people had originally thought, but he's got the injury stuff. He's got the, he's got the dirty pee tests. Uh, you, know, the, there was, you know, he got kicked out of the combine for asking the, you know, grabbing the nurse and asking him if he knew who he was. Um, you know, like we always said, this guy's a pit bull. Uh, I'm not going to send him there, though, because I think that he has, I think he's going to fall a little bit farther than this, as we'll see. I am sending our boy, all senior bowler, Hassan Reddick, Mike Band's initial uh, peg to, at number nine to the Cincinnati Bengals. Are you still on the Hassan Reddick to the Bengals bandwagon, Mike? And if not, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to stick with the same position, and I'm going to go with Derek Barnett. Uh, I think based off of what Cincinnati does uh, and the way that they've drafted in the past, Really, I mean, it's, it's one of the longest tenured organizations if you look at their draft history. And they're not really big on ex- uh, necessarily combine guys, um, but they are big production guys. And If you look at Derek Barnett, he's easily the most productive pass rusher uh, or one of the most productive pass rushers in this class. And at nine, he really fits that edge rusher mold, something that they desperately need, um, to uh, opposite of Carlos Dunlap, their base end. And so I think this is a, a, a fairly direct need that they have to uh, fulfill one thing that i will consider with cincinnati and i'm going to think about this for the rest of you know the rest of the day is whether or not they consider oj howard a potential option uh for them nine especially with the their major concerns with eifert's durability and the fact that he's a free agent after next season they do not have to bring him back um and so if you do want to keep supporting uh, Andy Dalton in the passing game, a guy you can flex out into the slot play Y for you, is OJ Howard. And so I do. I am going to keep Derek Barnett here, but OJ Howard at nine would not surprise me at all.
1: Well, this is certainly the same concept that I heard floated by maniacal Bengals fans on moving the chains over on Channel eighty eight. Shout, Shout out Jim Miller and Pat Curwin.
0: Jim Miller, our boys, yeah, Shout out yesterday, to because
1: the, the feeling is is that either Eifert is going to be injured and you're going to say we're not re-signing this guy or he's going to come out and have a big year that's going to make his market price go through the roof and you having known everything about him saying there's no way we're paying for that for this guy right and that Howard would be the insurance policy Mike I floated this to Alex the other day Uh, have you given any consideration to Cincinnati selecting a wide receiver there
2: it's certainly possible um and, and and let me ask you a question back. It, do you think Tyler Boyd could be their slot receiver? And if so, that would you know that would mean they could bring out in an outside guy or an inside guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Tyler Boyd. His, I mean, what did Duke Tobin tell us? His his future in Cincinnati is set at the slot at the position. Slot. That's
0: that's where they love him. So yeah, I mean, I think that that's a. I think that that's a. Uh, you know, Mike Williams certainly in play there. It transitions as well to. Pick number ten as we pick things up to try and get through this. Uh, try and get through all these. Um, Buffalo. I have them. I'm sending Mike Williams there. It's something that we've talked about a lot before. Uh, a, a desperately needed red zone presence. Uh, somebody who can go up and get the contested football. Just a great compliment to. A great compliment for at least one season to Sammy Watkins, who's more of the big play threat, who's more of the uh, giant average depth of target kind of guy. Mike Williams, a player who can be uh, both a possession threat, a bit of a deep threat, and most importantly, uh, uh, somebody they can target there in the red zone. Where do you have Buffalo looking here, Mike?
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to go against the team interest uh, tracker, and I'm going to go with O.J. Howard. Uh, here at 10. And really, it aligns with very much the same thinking as you said. And I think that uh, O.J. Howard would be exactly what they envisioned Charles Clay to be uh, as far as that offensive weapon. Um, and so to support the passing game, I think you, you got to consider O.J. Howard here at 10.
1: Do we have any idea how much higher the grade O.J. Howard is than in Joku amongst the scouting community, Mike? My-
2: I think it's pretty. I, th- I think it's a consensus. I think Nujoku is one of those guys that I think a little might be uh, pri- uh, pu- really inflated due to his off season. But if you're looking for a complete tight end, there probably hasn't been one in really a long time uh, outside of O.J. Howard.
0: We move on to pick number eleven, the New Orleans Saints. I, this is where, for me, Derek Barnett goes off the board. I think he's a, a, a terrific fit for them. When I uh, look at the team needs tool, you know, edge is basically the number one need of the new Orleans saints. Uh, Mike, I'm sure that if he wouldn't have gone off the board earlier for you there to Cincinnati, you'd probably be sending him here as well uh, as is, as that's not the case. Uh, who are you sending to the new Orleans saints?
2: Yeah. So this is where I've got the same position. I've got taco Charlton coming off the board here. Um, I've heard they really liked taco Charlton. Uh, I, you know, they're switching to a four, three defense primarily. So, you know they're looking for a base four three end, uh, and if Derek Barnett's off the board, I think Taco Charlton's definitely on their radar. And I'm also concerned whether or not they go corner here, but I don't think there's going to be
0: one on the board. Looks like after the Saints, we well uh, for, for me at least. This for you is uh, I guess this is a, this is a the Jets pick for you. This will be the Titans pick for me. This is where OJ Howard finally goes off the board. I just think that this is too far for him to fall. I think that he's probably top five, top six on some of these boards. I think that John Robinson is a guy who is going to take the best player available. I think that O.J. Howard at this point in the draft is the best player available. I think that he's tickled that he can trade down this far and get him at pick 12 with the kind of prospect that he is. Clearly that's not your pick as as O.J. Howard is already off the board in your mock. And also this is not even the Titans pick. This is the Jets pick.
2: Yep, so this is where I've got Malik Hooker coming off the board, and and really this has to do with him not being able to work out this offseason for anybody, and and you don't have the metrics. So he falls to 12, Uh, the Jets, where a lot of people have him going 6 to the Jets. This is where i got him going 12 to the Jets, so I can still get the credit on the huddle report. But still, no, this is is a very reasonable fall, Um, and I don't think he gets further, much further than this 12th pick, even if Cleveland were to stay put.
0: Okay, well, uh, next we move on to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, a lot of buzz around Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we've said here on the podcast, I've heard from people you know, close to that organization, people who know uh, it, it is, it, it, you know, they think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I've heard a little buzz. In the last couple days, I'm not sure if it's smoke. The guys like Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, might not be going till more in the 20s. Uh, with that being said, I'm standing my ground. I think it might have been what, be, what started out a cockamamie theory here, with, here uh, with, with Roster Watch Nation has become somewhat of the chalk. I'm going to go with the chalk. Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Texas Tech, as the eventual successor for Carson Palmer out in the desert.
2: I've got Mahomes there too. Agreed with you. Don't really. Yeah, everything. Uh, that you just said, I think, is uh, is based off of Arians seeing seeing his guy and, and working him in for the long term.
1: Uh, I just think for the Mahomes truthers, you know, they better not go watch the TCU tape from last year. <laughs> it's just a roller coaster. Whoever's getting well, into this thing with Patrick Mahomes is getting into a roller coaster. We like him. You there's could be getting to, you
0: could be getting into, into a roller coaster with there, with,
1: with Deshaun Watson There's things too. to like about him. It's, it is a long, long road ahead for Patrick Mahomes to become a quality starter uh, in the NFL. But it takes a GM and a head coach with job security like Kime, like Arians, to be able yeah. to make that gamble there.
0: Yep. Okay, so we move on to pick 14. If you haven't noticed, Christian McCaffrey somehow is still on my board. This is where that stops pick 14. If you go by this mock draft, he's going to go over on the projected 9.5 over under for his pick. 8.5 to 9.5, depending on, on where you're looking at the prop. I just think that this makes too much sense. Carson Wentz, I mean, continue to give him weapons. They need, they need runners. They need wide receivers. Christian McCaffrey is both. I mean, Carson Wentz, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, how? Who could? I mean, how could any Philly fan not absolutely love that duo as being the stars of their offensive football team? Uh, Mike, what do you have the Philly uh, Philadelphia Eagles doing here? At Pick fourteen.
2: I'm with you. If McCaffrey's there, he's got to be their guy, um, and, and he probably is. I think he's a perfect fit for what they what they like to do. Uh, despite the investment in Alshon Jeffrey, really it was a one-year deal, and Tory Smith again, very short deal. And with Jordan Matthews, a free agent next year, this is where I've got Mike Williams, the first receiver, coming off the board. Um, I really think they're going to they're do everything in their power to make sure that this is Carson Wentz's team. And I think that they're going to build weapons, long-term weapons, that he can grow with and develop with. And, and for the receivers they have now, they're there on a tryout basis. This is where I've got Mike Williams at 14 to the Eagles.
0: Number f- and the Indianapolis Colts, this is where I just couldn't stand it any longer. Uh, whenever I look at the whenever I look at the team needs, the Indianapolis Colts have a uh, have a need at edge, offensive tackle, corner and inside linebacker. I feel like the best inside linebacker in the entire draft is still sitting on the board. You cannot say that about the top two of any other – I guess you can say that about an offensive tackle. No offensive tackles have gone off the board yet. I don't see any of the offensive tackles going off the board, as we'll see until uh, around pick 20 or so with the Denver Broncos. The best inside linebacker is there. I say red flags, be damned. Chris Ballard's going to get sick. I have Ruben Foster, the pit bull, going to Indy. Uh, I think that if, if he can keep his head on straight, he can be a 10-year starter for those guys. Mike, do you think that's completely ridiculous? I know that you think Reuben Foster's going to fall a good bit farther than that, or or at least you did last time we spoke.
2: Yeah, it, it, I think he will fall a little further. Um, Chris Ballard is in charge now in Indy, uh, and when he was in Kansas City, they took some chances on some guys, especially you know the, the Marcus Peters uh, uh, of the draft. Really, if a guy falls you know guys in Kansas City that's where they could come off the board and we might see that in Indy um so Re- Reuben Foster would be a nice fit there it's just depending on whether or not his you know the new regime wants to invest in a risk like that this is where I've got uh your boy Hassan Reddick uh, coming off the board I think he's that kind of do-it-all Sam backer also rushing the passer can play stand up and I think that's kind of what they're looking for uh from the position and in that's, that case that's where reddit comes off at 15 i don't i don't think he comes off uh he's probably going to be gone by 17 this is probably about right for him
0: halfway through the mock here at pick number 16 for me uh this is where ozzie newsome if he would have been looking for one of his alabama players like an oj howard or Ruben foster to fall to him is feeling like he's on enormous tilt i don't feel good about this pick but I'm going to send Corey Davis, the wide receiver from Western Michigan. The reason I don't feel good about it is because I feel like they have a couple guys that are big, long guys that they're waiting to see how they develop. Guys who came in with sort of question marks, injury histories, uh, maybe playing at lesser schools, a la a Rashad Perriman, a la a Chris Moore at Cincinnati. Shout out to Chris Moore, the friend of the Roster Watch program. I, I just think that Corey Davis might kind of be a, uh, more kind of in the mold of those guys that they're still kind of hoping could come along and develop. I thought that John Ross was an option here as well. Ultimately, I sent Corey Davis of Western Michigan to the Ravens Give uh, give Joe Flacco another receiving weapon in that depleted arsenal. How are you looking here at this, at this pick, Mike?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy into the uh, late rumor that we've been hearing for maybe the last week, and that is the Ravens are looking to add the top offensive tackle in this year's draft, and I think that might be Cam Robinson. He's a plug-and-play right tackle. Uh, they really don't have anyone on roster currently. I believe it's James Hurst penciled in at right tackle after they lost uh, uh, Wagner. Uh, and so this is where Cam Robinson, your Alabama guy, where Ozzie can still be put on tilt with the guys available. He goes, Cam Robinson goes uh, 16 to the Ravens.
1: Speaking of enormous tilt, is halfway through the first round a good time for me to stop and say that I am currently being disgusted by the trash man, and he's not even here in our presence right now? What did he do? I'm perusing our finalized wide receiver rankings, and I guess I shouldn't be shocked like this, but just just on tilt, he has Isaiah Zay Jones ranked as his number one overall wide receiver in this draft.
0: Trash man loves Zay Jones. You know,
1: and it's fine. We all love him. It's fine, but number one feels like it was meant to put you on tilt.
0: Yeah, it's meant to put you on tilt for sure. Let's move on. Uh, We're now at pick, pick seventeen. Washington Redskins. This is where I throw my first curveball. I'm sending Joe Mixon of the Oklahoma Sooners to the Washington Redskins. I just think that, you know, Mike Band will have a different opinion than me. I think that Dan Snyder is gonna have a lot to say about this pick. I think there's a huge running back need. I think that what Mixon could bring to that offense would be simply disgusting. And I think that Snyder's also a guy that doesn't give a damn about public perception. And he's a guy who doesn't care about taking a PR hit. We, we've seen him take him over and over and over again uh, with different things pertaining to the team name and how he's dealt with all of that. you know. And So I think that Joe Mixon, I think he's going to go in the first round. I think if he doesn't go here, he might go to the Detroit Lions. But I had a lot of trouble pegging what I was going to do with the Washington Redskins. I said, what the hell? Let's, let's take a stab here. Uh, let's see if it could be Joe Mixon. Mike? Yeah, I, I
2: don't think anybody has any idea what – route the Redskins will go. I think they're probably hoping a guy like Hassan Reddick would be available here. Uh, I know they were interested in an edge rusher or, or a front seven type of player. This is where I've got a surprise riser, and this is my boy who I recruited while at Florida, Jared Davis. Uh, he's, a, he's a hell of an inside linebacker, really. His tape has athleticism, his explosiveness. He can do it all. Um, and he's rising up draft boards. Redskins have shown interest through in the process. They have had an affinity for the Florida type of guy. Uh, really, when you look at, at the front office that's going to be making this choice, this is Bruce Allen uh, back in that role of, of final decision maker. I believe they've got their, uh, their director of scouting also uh, also helping with that decision. But this is Bruce Allen we're talking about, and I don't know if he's willing to to buy in into that type of character risk that uh, the guy that he has to worry about off the field. And in this case, while Reuben Foster would fill feel, feel an absolute need, I've got them taking the other inside linebacker, an inside linebacker that very well is creeping up boards and could go ahead of Reuben Foster. Jared Davis out of Florida goes to the Redskins at 17.
1: Well, that's going to be certainly a very interesting uh, selection there. What do we got? we got... Oh, our boy! We got our boy John Robinson back up on the clock, probably after some wheeling and dealing at number five for the Tennessee Titans. Yeah,
0: so and for and the Titans with that uh, with their second pick in the second pick in the first round, they're their pick eighteen. I have them taking John Ross. This is where John Ross finally comes off the board. His over under in Vegas, the prop is eighteen point five. Uh, I, I know that they have other needs. They certainly have needs on the defensive side of the football. I mean, they're they're going to need to take a corner. I just see these guys like uh, Kev, uh, Kevin King, uh, Ch- Chidobe Awuzie, um, you know, Adore Jackson. Some like a bunch of these guys, a bunch of these corners could be available with their uh, with picks. Maybe not in the you know, they don't not second round, but possibly third round uh, kind of players that they might be able to pick up. Some kind of corner. I don't think they're going to be able to pick up a guy like John Ross you know, any later in this draft, and they've just supercharged their offense for Marcus Mariota in this particular mock draft of mine with both O.J. Howard and John Ross. To me, that's getting absolutely filthy. Mike, how do you see this pick playing out?
2: Yeah, first I just got to mention that uh, you know, we've talked about this uh, plenty, and I've heard you guys mention it on the pod, but John Ross, really, there's going to be some issues about durability whether or not you can invest in them. Uh, the rumors that Tennessee also is probably trying to move down from 18 probably indicates that they might not be comfortable taking him at 18. Not really sure, but uh, this is where I've got another receiver, Corey Davis, who you already have off the board. This is where I've got Corey Davis coming off the board. I think if you look at Mariota's skill set, you kind of need one of those rack guys that can generate yards after catch. And Corey Davis is certainly one of those guys uh, presents that big target area. Uh, again, again, Tennessee very well could move out of this pick to, to get back that second-round pick that they don't have. But uh, this is where I've got Corey Davis.
1: Well, certainly per the Team Needs tool, uh, available for all of our pro subscribers at RosterWatch.com is great work by Mike Band this draft season. Right at the top of the Team Needs list for the Titans is wide receiver. We discussed cornerback and defensive line uh, uh, with the earlier pick at number 5, so that would certainly be... A great way for them to fill up in round one, or consolidate into some more really valuable picks uh, later in the draft, and even some for next year.
0: Uh, to pick 19, we have Jason Light coming into his four, hard to believe coming into his fourth season, his fourth draft as the Bucks GM. It's about time they start winning. He's done a pretty now. good job, though. Yeah, it's about time they start winning, though, right? This is yeah, the year. Yeah. Uh, so,
1: so they uh, almost made the playoffs last year.
0: I, I feel. Yeah. It's this is the year. I I, I think that. This is, this is going to be chalky. Uh, they have a need at the running back position. Doug Martin's situation, nebulous. I am sending Jameis Winston's boy, Dalvin Cook. We know he can talk that team into drafting anybody. Just look at the Robert Aguayo pick from last year. Uh, I think that Jameis gets in the ear of Jason Light and the rest of the team, lets them know that he believes Dalvin Cook is going to be a difference maker uh, for that ball club, and that's who they select is the home state kid.
2: Yeah, so I've, I've actually got an interesting trade here. Uh, there are rumors that Tampa Bay wants to move down for my team, and I think that they do move down, and this is where someone comes up and gets a quarterback. And I've got the Houston Texans trading up for Deshaun Watson, the 19th pick. Um, I Like you mentioned, if we want to talk quickly about Tampa Bay, I do have them taking uh, Dalvin Cook at 25. I think he falls that far. Uh, and if we're looking at Houston, and they're look, looking to do as far as bringing in a quarterback, I think that uh, their, their owner and, and Bill O'Brien, the pressure's there for them to really make a splash. Deshaun Watson uh, recently had a, a, a private visit with those guys, and I hear it's mutual in terms of the interest. Um, and this is so they end up moving up six spots to get their guy, Deshaun Watson.
1: Well, this raises a question for me. Uh, something that we've emphasized over the last, I'd say, month uh, of lead up to the draft is that just simply by default, it's going to look much worse on paper than it really is. You're going to there's you're going to have really good running backs ranked as your number seven, eight, nine, maybe even tenth running back this year. And and that's no knock on them. These are uh, guys that we like, so this raises the question for me as I'm looking at our finalized running back rankings. I see, Alex, that you actually moved Samaje Pirine above Dalvin Cook in your personal rankings. You know, that's scary territory to have Cook as your sixth running back of the class, but have we said, you're really not left with any choice, and that's not an indictment of him. That just no, means there's not- seven, eight guys we really, really like there. So I'm curious, you have Pirine ranked higher, but you had cook coming off the board first. Yeah. I mean, this
0: isn't about what I, what I would pick. This is about this is about what I think's going to happen.
1: Well, there's actually been some talk about P Ryan to Tampa Bay as as well, but that'd oh, be in a later round.
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't it's know. Interesting. I, I, I it's think it's interesting. And I think that I think that it makes you know, I think that it makes sense. I think the Florida state connection makes sense. I think all the buzz makes sense. I think that those two guys are different kinds of runners to where it's, you know, they Well,
1: Jameis should know everything that the Bucks brass wants to know about Dalvin Cook,
0: and he's gonna tell him that, it, hey, look, I, he didn't do any, uh, he didn't do any of this stuff with the guns or with the little dogs, and I didn't do anything with the crab legs, and like look, we're gonna be fine with this. So, all right, let, let's move on now to pick number twenty. I have this being an offensive tackle. I know that Mike. I believe you already have Cam Robinson off the board. I'm not going Cam. Uh, I'm, I'm not going Cam Robinson here. I'm going with Garrett Bowles. Uh, our team interest, uh, the offensive tackle from Utah. Our team interest tool shows a lot of interest from him. Obviously, tackle is a big need. I got to. I, I got to spend a good bit of time watching uh, Ramcheck. Robinson and Garrett Bowles and I'm not sure I think the Garrett Bowles is the best prospect of them all but I do think he's the one with the highest upside as a future cornerstone left tackle in the National Football League you know that that's what John Elway is looking for he's uh, Bowles is sort of from uh, there in that part of the world has a really interesting story coming up that uh, I I think that he would sell to the fan base that they could possibly like Mike uh, what do you have Denver doing here at pick number 20?
2: Yeah, so uh, with the new staff, I've actually got them going a- another route other than offensive tackle. I know offensive tackle is really the chalk here, uh, but I've got them taking the tight end David Njoku uh, from Miami, and it has a lot to do with some of the press conferences I was listening to from uh, from Elway and some and some of the offensive coaches. Was really they're looking to add some playmaking ability to the to that team, whether it's a guy that can take it to the house or whatever it might be. And from the standpoint of, get, of supporting this tight, this quarterback battle that you've got going on between Lynch and, and Simeon, I think it's going to be adding weapons in terms of uh, supporting those guys. Um, and if they look go to that quick passing game like you know, the, the, uh, that they're known to play, really that, that puts less emphasis on, on, uh, on a strong left tackle, uh, I think they're going to give Donald Stevenson one more try. And in this case, David Nujoku adds that weapon that they can flex out wide and support the passing game.
0: Then we move on to pick number 21, that is the Detroit Lions. This is where I have Taco Charlton going off the board a whole, I guess, 10 whole picks after you do. Uh, Clearly, that's not going to be your pick, and you probably don't see him lasting on the board that long. I've just read a lot of reports recently that he could possibly be a guy who falls a little bit. Uh, com- compared to what some people think obviously all that goes out the window if a team like the saints really does love him but you know with the detroit lions they're gonna they're gonna want to keep continue uh building that pass rush uh, what do you see the lions doing here at pick 21 mike
2: yeah that's certainly an option i know that if tacos on the board he he very well might be the pick in a lot of earlier versions i had this you guys are gonna love this because i haven't told you about it but this is where i've got reuben foster coming off the board uh it, and this is where Bob Quinn, it, he he takes the chance. He goes with the Belichick uh, uh, decision and sees him at 21 and says, I can potentially get a cornerstone piece on my defense. And so Reuben Foster, this is where his slide ends at 21. I do believe he will go in the first round. I think that some of the other guys that might be falling actually do get out of the first round. Reuben Foster doesn't. I think he goes 21 to the Lions.
1: Oh, that's an interesting pick, Mike, because as we all know it, Appeared there for a handful of years that the Lions were set for the future at that linebacker position, but that has certainly deteriorated over the last couple of years and would be a real opportunity uh, for Detroit to uh, get a top five player in this draft, get value on them uh, late in round one. Uh, We move on to the Miami Dolphins at number 22 uh, per the team needs tool, the Miami Dolphins. We have uh, their top priorities uh, for the roster at cornerback edge rusher, uh, weak side linebacker. Uh, So I'd be interested to see uh, what you guys came up with, what you think old Adam Gaze, one of our favorite young head coaches in the whole league, is going to do. Mike Band, go
0: first.
2: Yeah, I've got Charles Harris, the edge pass rusher, coming off the board here. Um, This is connecting it to Armando Salguero's uh, uh, inkling that they're going to go with an edge pass rusher. Um, I think that they, you know, they're going to consider a guy like Taco Charlton if he's there, a guy like Derek Barnett if you were to fall that far, Charles Harris, the uh, kid out of Miss uh, Missouri, as an edge rusher. Really, in with their aging court, that's that's where I've got Miami going at twenty-two.
0: Um, I I don't I don't have Charles Harris going there. I think that that's a good pick though, and I think that might be what it is now that i kind of think about it i do i am staying with edge rusher though this for me is going to be where tack mckinley comes off the board i know some people think that he's another guy who will fall but i think that you know that this is you know the edge i think edge rusher right here for these kind of couple picks and then uh through the end of the end of the first round i think we're going to see a couple of these guys come off i think it's going to be the order getting the order right that's going to be important um do you wanna move on to number 23?
1: Our the, good friend, Rick Spielman of the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, is that who's next?
0: No, I think number oh, 23 the New York Giants is the New York Giants. And for, and for that, if I look at our team needs tool, let me see if I can pull it up, but I believe that one of their biggest needs is identified by our tool is defensive tackle. And it's actually the number one need. Malik McDowell is still on the board. I know people think he's a lazy, sloppy, fat ass. Uh, With that being said one team is going to take the chance on him and say that our coaching staff can get the flat like if you put on just Malik McDowell highlights you will say this this is probably one of the better defensive tackle prospects I've ever seen whenever you watch the whole games you see that there could be motor issues Uh, with that being said. Uh, Jerry Reese keeps on beefing up the defensive side of the football there for the Giants, continues to build that into one of the strengths of the football team. Uh, Malik McDowell, the defensive tackle for Michigan State, comes off the board here at number 23 for me.
2: Yeah, this is where I've got them taking the offensive tackle. Uh, Ryan Ramchek out of Wisconsin. Uh, He he could certainly fall further if teams are worried about his injury history, but uh, really the Giants absolutely need an offensive tackle to support – Really, to protect Eli Manning after Eric Flowers was pretty poor in pass protection. I think he can move to right tackle. You could slide Ramchek to left. Eric Flowers could stay at left. You move Ramchek to right. He has versatility for you. Um, you know, certainly, uh, I, I think based off their investments in the defense the last two seasons, I think that this is where an offensive pick comes off the board. You know they're going somewhere in the trenches that's just their M.O. And this is where I've got Ryan Ramchick coming off the board, 23 to the Giants.
1: All right, well, with Beast Mode locked up to the Oakland Raiders, we can officially take running back off their first-round draft board. So, fellas, where do you guys think uh, see Reggie McKenzie going? I mean, this has been a stellar roster he's built uh, over the last couple of years, and um, – Certainly, they need to continue to reinforce it with young talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, Uh, linebacker, three technique, uh, edge rusher, and defensive backs.
0: I think that for me, this is where Reggie just takes takes a page out of his boy John Schneider's book, goes after the big, long cornerback, I think this in Pac pack 12 part of the world. I think this is where Kevin King, the cornerback from Washington, comes off the board. He has he has length for days. Corner is a big need for those guys. the The Raiders have not had good luck in the first round with these players, but here picking uh, at the end of the first round, I, th- I think a player with that with that sort of size, that sort of physicality, and that sort of range is somebody who could really help out on the back end and also just I mean. You play, you play in the AFC West against the Demarius Thomases of the world. You need these guys who are, who are big and long, who can fight these guys off and impress. Uh, Mike, who do you have going to the Oakland Raiders to pick 24? I also
2: have Kevin King going 24 to the Raiders. So if you look at their cornerback, uh, their depth chart right now, this is the type of corner they covet. They've got David Emerson, Sean Smith, and T.J. Carey, uh, both all, all very similar in body type. Uh, Kevin King plays that role. I don't know uh, whether or not Emerson and TJ Carey are on the team beyond next season. And in this case, Kevin King fills a pretty good uh, future need uh, in the secondary.
1: Oh, I think Mike hit the nail on the head there. Reggie McKenzie a little bit from the John Schneider uh, school of thought and philosophy with those defensive backs. And, um, I, yeah, I mean, really, they got to cover Demarius Thomas and Keenan Allen. So you need a big guy back
0: big, there, big, 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 long dudes, and you and you need that length and that and that ability to to that ability to recover that we've seen uh, out of out of uh, I, out of Kevin. I King. can't
1: believe what I'm seeing here at number twenty five. Number twenty five from Houston Texans here from Alex, and I'm just cannot wait. Y'all have agreement on this, and I cannot wait to hear how you guys arrived at this conclusion separately.
0: Separately, yeah. I mean, at tw- at twenty five, Mike has this. Mike has Houston trading up. Uh, to where the bucks pick to take deshaun watson i have the houston texans sitting here at 25 and taking deshaun watson so mike and i have the same two picks for the bucks and for the texans except they're flip-flop to pick number 19 and pick number 25 mike uh, any 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 additional commentary on your uh, on on your idea of dalvin cook there at the at i guess pick 25 that they traded down to to the tampa bay buccaneers
2: yeah, yeah uh, this might be potentially Dalvin Cook's ceiling. I know that's crazy, um, but I could actually see Dalvin Cook falling further than this. Uh, one thing to note with Dalvin Cook uh, was I read in a report that a Raiders source, when they made the decision on Marshawn Lynch, they were making that decision with the assumption that Dalvin Cook would be there at 24. And so that's why I've, I've got this trade calculated Uh, where Tampa Bay looks to move out, Houston looks to move up for their quarterback. And so Dalvin Cook could go here, uh, and he would be a nice fit in Tampa Bay. All it does take is one team to like him. Um, And so really, I'm with you as far as what the teams are going to do and who they covet. It's just a matter of what spot they do it at.
1: I'm just having a hard time envisioning Deshaun Watson in Houston with Bill O'Brien the same way I was having a hard time envisioning Adrian Peterson in Green Bay after he went on that visit to the Packers, just something it creates some cognitive dissonance in my head. I have a hard time reconciling it. I wonder, does it all align? Where, what gives you guys the idea that he fits with the Bill O'Brien?
0: I just I think that they need a quarterback. I think he's a quarterback that they. That they clearly, I mean, they've, they've shown interest in if you look at the interest tracker. I think that all of these guys are going to be moldable pieces of clay that none of them are going to be completely ready the first day that they step in the building. I think there are things that Bill O'Brien looks for in a quarterback that are going to be impossible for me to uh, decipher or understand as somebody that's not a quarterback whisperer and just a complete offensive genius with the way that i run my system and the way that i handle my philosophies i think deshaun watson i I, I think he's a winner i think he looked like he was one of the best quarterbacks at the combine but it was between him and mitchell trubisky i i think deshaun watson and mitch trubisky are basically a 1a and a 1b as far as the top talents at quarterback in this entire draft we always say you got to reach up to get them it's not like you every single year you can just hand-make the one that's perfect for you or the one that you think is just like everything about him is just right and just perfect. And he, I mean, he he goes with your scheme like peanut butter and jelly. Well, jellies. it's
1: just it's Tom Savage. It's Christian Hackenberg. It was Osweiler. You always hear about Brady with O'Brien. It just seems like it would be a little bit of an outlier, but I will give you this. The Texans may need a starter at quarterback this year, yep. and I don't think anybody else – on the board is even potentially capable of that.
0: Agreed. All right, so let's move on. Pick, speaking of John Schneider, pick number twenty-six to the Seattle Seahawks. This is where I have Cam Robinson coming off the board. I think it could be Cam Robinson, or it could be Ram check from Wisconsin. I went with Cam Robinson just because when you look at him, man, this is a guy that held down Miles. Like th- this is a guy that held Miles Garrett in complete check during college. Miles Garrett clearly going to be the number one pick. In this draft, um, I think he's a guy who can maybe be a plug-and-play right tackle right from the start. He does not have the feet of a Garrett Bowles, but he certainly has uh, every bit of the motor. Certainly has probably more power and strength to his game. Uh, but Mike, do you see the Seattle Seahawks addressing offensive line, or do, you, or, or do you, see him going somewhere else?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I. The route they have them, I have them going. I have them taking Garrett Bowles. Um, this is one of the few picks that I've had locked in. Uh, really since my first original one, uh, going through all the scenarios back in March. Um, really, from the standpoint of what Seattle looks for in their offensive linemen, it, it's, they definitely carry athletic, athletic traits. Um, they like guys with quick feet who can move and get out in space. Uh, and that's Garrett Bowles in, in, in a nutshell. Um, I don't know if Cam Robinson or Ramchek have the type of feet that Bowles has. His only deficiency is his age and how much longer you know, you've got with him. Uh, but as far as need aligning with, with what Seattle does uh, as far as the offense, Garrett Bowles is a good fit. Uh, really just uh, noting that everyone else uh, – the other position that they'll consider is cornerback, um, you know, they've really never taken a, a defensive a cornerback very high because they can feel they can get those guys maybe later, um, but certainly the guys with a size and length that – are being rumored in this area are potential options here in Seattle, uh, especially if they don't really know the future with Richard Sherman. So that's also in play here and something that if they're scared off by Bulls' age or something like that, they could easily go corner as well.
1: Boys, let's move on to John Dorsey and Andy Reid in Kansas City with the 27th uh, pick in the first round. We show their top three needs as inside linebacker, left guard, and cornerback. Certainly nose tackle is going to be – up, up for discussion somewhere along in the draft with the uh, Don Terry Poe moving on. Where did you guys end up uh, uh, predicting that uh, Dorsey and uh, Reed are going to do here for the Chiefs?
0: Well, for me, I, th- I, I think that they – I just feel like there's a number of different cornerbacks that you could go with here. When you look at the 22 players that have been invited to the NFL draft over the course of the last five years, over 75% of those players have been taken in the first round. So there are 22 there uh, this year. It, since I feel like they're going to be going corner, I honestly just uh, – it, it was it was hard for me to tell much of a difference between if they would covet more of a Tredavious White from LSU or a Marlon Humphrey from Alabama. So I just went with Tredavious White from LSU because he had a little bit higher interest on our tracker. Uh, Mike, do you see these guys going with corner? It seems like there's going to be a little bit of a surplus there of these corners that are kind of, you know, consensus ranked somewhere between twenty-five and forty, that should be available.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've got them actually considering uh, Forrest Lamp, the offensive guard, um, and and we know Andy Reid's affinity with senior bowl players. Uh, he's done. He's made this exact pick. This this will be like deja vu with Danny Watkins, a guy who tears up the senior bowl. Very, uh, you know, a, a power, big, powerful. Uh, player plays a lot of grit and, and, and really a guy that you would just consider a football player um, and so just connecting Andy Roth's dots uh, all together this is where they have a major need at left guard Forrest Lamp, western Kentucky at 27 fits the bill
1: well that would apparently be a steal do you guys think that Andy Reid likes players from the senior bowl more than he likes vegetables on his pizza <laughs> I think that uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do. Even after the whole Eric Fisher debacle. All right, let's get on with it. Let's give the people what they want. Let's give the trash man what he wants. The only pick of the first round that he remotely cares about, and you can mark it down. He will be turning this podcast off as soon as we give this pick, and that's his sweetest, most golden Dallas Cowboys with pick number twenty-eight. We show their top needs as cornerback, edge rusher, strong safety, and right tackle, boys. Uh where do you guys show the Jones is going with this one?
0: Mike Ban? go first.
2: I've got a Dory Jackson coming off the board here. Um you know I I thought about this for a while. Just based off of, off of his athleticism, what he can do in terms of the return game, uh really it's a good fit. I think he might even go higher than this. Um but a Dory Jackson perfect fit. I like you guys said I think you guys have a, a closer beat to Dallas, but I think they are going to go uh, qu- uh with a cornerback at this pick and Really, there's going to be four or five guys who are in talks here. I think it's uh, I think it's a Dory Jackson.
1: Well, th- just quickly, that's a good point. They passed on Jalen Ramsey. They tr- passed on Joey Bosa last year in the first round for Zeke Elliott. Those are two still very pressing needs. You would hope that they come back and address those things early and often this year.
0: And what I them addressing is this is this is too probably too far from what we're hearing with all the buzz about Charles Harris coming. When you hear this much buzz about these guys coming into the week, and they haven't been guys who've been consensus, kind of top 15, top 20 guys. I think Charles Harris is probably going to go earlier than this, but uh, this is where I have him going in the mock. This is simply too far to fall, and I feel like he's a better edge rusher than any of the cornerbacks uh, left available on the board are. So uh, Charles Harris comes off the board, the defensive end out of Missouri. We move on to number 29, Ted Thompson, uh, walking around like a bit of a zombie. In a yeah, catatonic going state. On. Uh, I, for me – Right here, we know that cornerback is one. Of, let me look at the team needs tool. Where do we have corner on the on as far as Green the team Bay Packers?
1: Our number one need is cornerback, yeah. and then of course they've got to do some work on the offensive line after uh, what happened in, in free agency.
0: Marlon Humphrey from Alabama getting back there with Ha Ha Clinton Dix, uh, turn this into a roll tide uh, defensive backfield there for the Green Bay Packers. I have Marlon Humphrey, the cornerback from Alabama, coming off right now, Mike.
2: I love that pick, and I I might change it to that. I've had him there before. I think they're either going to go cornerback. I've got them considering T.J. Watt. Um, I've heard some rumblings that they really like him as a potential edge rusher they can develop, and really that's a position that they have prioritized in the past. Um, And then the other cornerback is Tre'Davious White. So between Tre'Davious White uh, and and really uh, – T.J. Watt, I don't think they can, that they can go
0: wrong. I've got T.J. Watt there for now. It's number 29. We move on to pick 30, Pittsburgh Steelers, again, with Alex Dunlap, Byron Lambert, and joined by Mike Band oh, here, on the, uh, here on the hotline, I guess we call it. Um, number 30, Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, this is going to – I mean, I know there's the P-test, and I know that, you know, people say that Jabril Peppers is going to fall – I just can't get over how much Kevin Colbert has talked about, how much he loves the guy, what a freak he thinks he is. The team has needs at different, at different positions that this kind of player could possibly play. I have Jabril Peppers, uh, the safety slash defensive weapon uh, from Michigan, coming off the board here at pick 30. I'm not sure how popular that's going to be with Steelers fans who seem to think uh, that he's not worth uh, taking there that high. Mike, you don't have Jabril Peppers going to the Steelers, do you?
2: So I, I, I did before the diluted sample. I know that they had interest, or I don't know that, but there were plenty of reports that, that, said, uh, that stated such. I've got them taking an edge pass rusher here, and, and it's it really messing around with the end of the first round. I mean, it's very fluid. So I've got T.J. Watt or uh, Tack McKinley coming off the board here. Um, and then he, really an interesting uh, sleeper if he's on the board here is if he does follow David Njoku, uh, if he doesn't go twenty in, in my current mock, um, this could also be a spot for him to help support Roethlisberger and company. But this is where I've got TJ Watt or Tack McKinley. I really haven't uh, uh, came up with my final decision yet. And if if Green Bay were to go uh, your route and take Marlon Humphrey or Davis White, um, that would make this definitely more of uh, of a likelihood. So, um, I at the in the end, I'm probably going to go with TJ Watt based off of what they do and what they need. Desperately Um, James Harrison cannot be their only or their best pass rusher for much longer and really it's, it's all about grit in Pittsburgh and that's what this guy does.
0: Mike, my daughter and my wife have showed up. They're standing at the door. My daughter's crying to see daddy. Let's get through these last two. For the Atlanta Falcons, I'm sending Forrest Lamp, uh, who, who you had coming off the board earlier, to the New Orleans Saints. I'm sending Chidobe Awuzie, the, uh, corn, the corner from Colorado that's just a big, athletic, versatile kid. Uh, he's one of the guys who's invited, to the, who's invited to the NFL draft. Like I said, those guys usually get drafted in the first round. I think he could be a surprise right there at the end. Who are your last two picks before we get out of here? Yep.
2: I've got Atlanta taking Tack McKinley, and I've got uh, the New Orleans Saints taking Marlon Humphrey or Tredavious White, depending on the board ahead of them. It has
0: been Byron Lambert. It has been Alex Dunlap. It has been Mike Band. This has been episode 20 of the Roster Watch podcast. You guys, give us a five-star rating in iTunes. Give us a good review. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to a pro membership at rosterwatch.com, and damn it. Enjoy the NFL draft. We've worked hard for this day to come. For Byron Lambert, for Mike Band, I am Alex Dunlap. This is the Roster Watch Podcast. We will see you next time.